Since virtually the dawn of the internet, we have been told that it's important to have good passwords. But what makes a good password? Why does it matter? And how do you even keep track of them all? In this video, I will explain everything you need to know about passwords. Before we begin, I strongly encourage you to go check out my last video about data breaches. A lot of the topics from that video, like hashing, password cracking, and abusing stolen data, are foundational topics that tie directly into this video. Real quick, I want to talk about how you can support the new oil. I don't like ads for a variety of reasons, and I am really proud that the new oil does not have any advertisements or sponsored content or anything like that, but I need your help to keep this project that way. If you find this video or any of the other videos or any of the work that I do valuable and helpful and you want to keep it ad-free and free from commercial interest and sponsors, then please donate if you are able to. I accept Bitcoin, Monero, recurring donations, one-time donations, every little bit helps. There are links to how you can help in the description below. So for those who didn't watch the data breach video, let me give you a quick recap. When you create an account on a website, they ask you to pick a password. Good websites who are doing everything right will never see this password. Instead, they will see the hash. It's like a one-way encryption. When you type the password, it gets hashed locally on your machine and then sent to their servers. They store that hashed password. And then every time after that you log in, they will compare the hash with the one they have on file. If it matches, they accept it and you are logged in. It's important to know that even the slightest change in the password can result in a wildly different hash. For example, here we see a hash using the new oil, all one word with the first letter of each word capitalized, T, N, and O. Now let's look at a different hash, same algorithm, which means the same type of hashing mechanism, but we're going to replace the I with a one. As you see, the hashes are completely different, night and day. Now back to picking a password. So you found a website, you wanna sign up and use their services, and they're asking you to pick a password. Conventional cybersecurity wisdom strongly suggests that you should use a strong, unique password for every single website or account that you use. But why is that? Well, first let's talk about the definition of a quote unquote strong password. Depending on who you ask, the minimum number of characters for a strong password varies wildly. Some government agencies suggest passwords as short as eight characters. Personally, I find that to be abysmally small, and we'll talk about why a little bit later. I like ProtonMail's suggestion. They suggest 16 or more characters. In fact, personally, I like to go a little bit further and say 25 or more. Again, we'll talk about why in a moment. And I know you might be sitting there going, that is insanely long and unnecessary and why? And again, I'll explain in a moment. Continuing along these guidelines, conventional wisdom says that your password should include a mix of uppercase and lowercase letters, numbers, and special characters. And needless to say, if you're following this criteria, your password should not be found in the dictionary. That's another big thing. Now let's pause here to examine why this is the recommendation. In my previous video, I talked about password attacks. There are two main ways of attacking a password. There's a dictionary attack and there's brute forcing. Dictionary attacks are when the attacker loads up a word list. This could either be one that they made themselves, like in Mr. Robot. There's a famous episode where Elliot calls up a guy pretending to be from his bank and, you know, asks him a few security questions and then loads all that into a word list to try and do an, a password attack. Hello, 
Hi, this is Sam from Bank of East Security Fraud Department. Unfortunately, I have to inform you that your account's been compromised. What? What happened? First, before I can answer any questions, I need to verify some information. Are you still at 306 Hawthorne Avenue? Yes, uh, apartment 2C. Great. And your security question, favorite baseball team? Um, Yankees. I don't remember this being a security And lastly, question. your pet's name? Um, Flipper. Uh, who am I speaking to? Can I get your name and number? With those details plus a dictionary brute force attack, it'll take my program maybe two minutes to crack his password. Alternately, there are plenty of dictionary lists online. They could be actual dictionaries, they could be a list of popular passwords, anything like that. Brute forcing, on the other hand, is when the attacker gives their password cracking software a set of parameters, and then it guesses every possible combination that fits that description. For example, they may say, guess every possible password that is 10 to 15 characters long and has uppercase and lowercase letters and numbers only. So it will just go through a a a a a a a a a so on for 10 characters and when that doesn't work it'll try a b a c and it'll just keep going. It'll use every possible combination of characters that fits those parameters. This might sound like it takes forever and it's really intense on the computer, but actually it's not. A good computer can make thousands of guesses per second, sometimes more. And when I say good computer, I mean less than $1,500. We're not talking about a $5,000 gaming rig that's specially custom built. You could get a relatively high-end computer at Best Buy that will be able to do this stuff with pretty decent efficiency. Of course, if you get a better computer, it can make more guesses and it is more powerful. But the point is, there's not a high barrier to entry on this. This doesn't take a government supercomputer. It doesn't take a super hacker. It just takes a decent computer with free software. It's really, really not hard. I can't stress that enough. This is why password guidelines are what they are. If you pick a password that's not in the dictionary, you've automatically ruled out dictionary attacks. And if you pick a long, complex password, each character that you add exponentially increases the amount of time that it will take the computer to guess your password. Let me give you a real example here. According to howsecureismypassword.net, if you use the password Chicago1988, it'll take a computer about 41 years to brute force that password versus T-Y-S-F exclamation point D blah 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 you can see it on the screen that one will take 34,000 years now it's worth noting you may think that Chicago 1988 sounds like a good password after all it'll take 41 years right and it's technically not in the dictionary but that's not actually how this works see that brute force guess the 41 years that's assuming that the attacker is not enabling any of the special features that most password cracking softwares have. Most of them are capable of detecting permutations. For example, uh, replacing an I with a one or adding an exclamation point or even adding a birth year or a set of years at the end. Most of them will look for this kind of stuff. So in reality, it probably will take a lot less than 41 years with a password like that. This website is just assuming that they're just using a raw brute force without any kind of permutation detection. So again, it may seem like a good password, but it's really, really not. Also, while we're on the subject, if you're using a password like Chicago 1988, then it's probably a safe bet that you're reusing that password. 
you're probably using some variation of that password on every single website. And that's really bad because if that password gets leaked even once, criminals can go out there and try to use that password on other accounts. This is called credential stuffing. So for example, let's say you use Chicago 1988 as your Gmail password. Attackers will use that and they'll try that Gmail account with that password on Amazon and they'll try it on Facebook and they'll try it on eBay and all kinds of popular websites. That's why they also say you should never reuse passwords because if it gets leaked even once, it's very, very easy to apply it on all these different websites. And you'd be amazed how often that works. A large number of data breaches are because of password reuse. It's really a bad, it's a big problem nowadays. Even if you're using a strong password, I mentioned in the last video that researchers have found that unfortunately, not all websites hash your password. They're supposed to. Good websites do it because it's not hard and it doesn't really like cost any money or take a lot of technical ability, but still some of them don't do it or they use old hash algorithms that have been broken and are no longer recommended. So even if you're using a strong password, reusing that password is still dangerous because you never know if the website is storing it improperly and it will get exposed. So now we know what makes a strong password and we know not to reuse passwords. But how do you remember that? Because on the low end, I have maybe two dozen accounts and that's just personal stuff on the low end. That's like my email, my bank, my logins for work, my login to my computer. How are you supposed to remember all this stuff? Password managers. These are programs that let you store your passwords in a safe encrypted database. This way, the only password you need to remember is the master password to get into your manager. There are two password managers that I recommend at this time. And in my next video, I will be talking about both of them and give you a crash course on how to use them. So hold on to that thought. For now, there is one more thing to talk about. Pass phrases. These are getting really popular in recent years and they do have a place. A pass phrase is a collection of random words. It should ideally be at least five or more words. For example, my password generator just generated chowder, caress, blurt, detached, unnameable. Totally random words. The advantage of a passphrase is that it's very easy to remember. You can probably have it down in about a day, but it's still extremely secure because of its length. My recommendation is that you should use passphrases whenever you have to remember a password. Again, for example, logging into your password manager or logging into your computer. Those should be separate passphrases, by the way, just in case. I also recommend passphrases if it's a password that you often have to share. For example, the guest Wi-Fi. It is a lot easier to give your guest five or six words that they can type in as opposed to, you know, a crazy uppercase, lowercase, special characters. Trust me, it's way easier and they will appreciate it. And again, you still have a strong, secure password that will keep your Wi-Fi safe and keep people from piggybacking off of it. So again, passphrases are great for passwords you have to remember. Everything else, you can go ahead and do the random letters, characters, numbers thing. That brings us to the never-ending passphrases versus passwords debate. There's a lot of heated opinions about this. Some people say that passphrases are better. Others say that passwords are better. The truth is that there is no right answer. Personally, I prefer to use passwords more often because a lot of websites will already have requirements like it has to be this long and you have to have special characters and a mix of upper and lowercase. So when you set your password manager to password mode and once you've configured how long you want it to be, which again, I'll go over in another video, then you can kind of just forget about it and you never have to worry about changing it. Or at least you very rarely have to change it in order for it to be usable everywhere. It, it just very much speedlines the process. 
In my experience, most people who say that passphrases are better are coming from a perspective where they're talking about passphrases being better than weak passwords, which I don't think anyone would disagree with. If you're using Chicago 1988 for your password, a five word passphrase is unarguably superior to that. But if you're using a strong password the right way, then I don't really think there's a difference. Honestly, it's personal preference as long as it is sufficient in length and you're not reusing it. Whatever flips your flapjack, man. There's one last thing I wanna to touch on before I go, because this was something that kind of confused me for a long time, and I think it might confuse some other people, so I wanna address it in case anyone else is wondering. Earlier, I said not to use words that are found in the dictionary because of the risk of dictionary attacks, but passphrases are words found in the dictionary, so why are they okay to use? because the hashes change. Remember earlier, we talked about changing the new oil and just changing that I into a one and how it completely changed the hash. So for example, here are the hashes for the words married and the word junkie. But if you put them together and say married junkie, even with a space, look at the hash, it's completely different. Therefore, passphrases work because they're not in the dictionary. A dictionary attack still wouldn't work because the odds of the password software trying to mix and match words like that, I just, to my knowledge, that's not a thing yet. This is also why earlier in the video, I said that I prefer a 25 word passphrase. The average six word passphrase has roughly 25 characters in it. This changes based on the words, but generally speaking. So if your password is also 25 words, then the length is about the same and you're getting pretty much the same level of security from a brute force attack. Okay, I think that sums everything up. That was a lot of information, I know, but hopefully now you understand what makes a strong password, why it is strong, how it defends against attacks, and most importantly, how to remember them because all this knowledge and information is useless if you don't go out and act on it. So now that you know why this stuff matters, you're probably wondering what password manager is right for you. Password managers are getting very mainstream nowadays. There's so many of them out there. But like I said, at this time, there's only two I recommend. So in my next video, I will talk about those two and I will give you a crash course on which one is right for you and how to start using them. In the meantime, if you want to learn more information about passwords and password managers, you can find all that and more at thenewoil.org.